0: Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm ishwara your host for this episode.
1: And I'm Aryan.
0: Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com slash desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We'd also like to thank our two newest patrons, Manav Kapoor and Colleen Chipeka. Thank you so much for any contributions you make in helping run this podcast. Every film industry seems to have a dark underbelly. It seems to have countless unexplained murders, mysterious disappearances, and ties to high-profile criminal activity. Bollywood is the same way. From Sri Devi to Jiya Khan, from Pratisha Banerjee to Raj Kiran, crime seems to seep through our industry, leaving behind death and devastation. This is the story of one such crime that shook Bollywood. The story of a family massacred. This is the story of Leila Khan.
1: Ashura, growing up as a kid in India, were you a Bollywood consumer? Have you consumed the bounties that Bollywood has to offer in the film space?
0: I think I'm somewhere in the middle in my answer to that question. Like, I wouldn't describe myself as a Bollywood fanatic by any standard, mm. which a lot of people in this country are. Oh, yeah. But I love Bollywood. I love the cinematography it has to offer. Sanjali Bhansali is probably my favorite, favorite in terms of the way his movies come out. I've mm-hmm. never seen anything like it before. Bollywood music is fantastic. Nothing compares to it. But also, I feel like I'm part of a growing audience that wants something more from Bollywood but feels like it isn't being provided. At least right now, I'm sick of the old action movies. I'm sick of the stupid, you know, Salman Khan jumping off buildings and driving fast cars genre. I crave something more and it's not being delivered.
1: And I think with the advent of OTT, Netflix, Prime Video, I think Gen Z or millennials also to an extent in India are getting that kind of content, right? Content that is more real that is willing to talk about subjects that these old production houses just you know feared venturing into and I think we also kind of fall into that space in some sense where we're this new multimedia platform of podcasting where you can talk about cases cases like the one we have today that wouldn't necessarily be talked about in a regular Bollywood movie because after all it's about the underbelly of Bollywood so Aishwarya I know this is a sensational case, but I know very little about it. So tell us, where are you taking us today and what is this case all about?
0: Alright, so Aryan, I am taking you to the underbelly of Bollywood. I'm taking you back to the year 2012. Specifically, in June 2012, when Jammu and Kashmir police were interrogating a man named Parves Iqbal Tak, a local forest contractor from the region who was caught after a three-week-long operation by the JNK police. He was arrested because the JNK police had found a Mitsubishi outlander outside his shop. The same outlander, they believe, was used in the 2011 Delhi High Court bombings. Even though this car was outside Parvez's shop, it was actually registered to the name of a woman, Parvez's wife, Shailina Khan. But Shailina Khan had been missing for the last year. There was no trace of her. Not only Shailina Khan, but her younger daughter leila Khan, her twin children Imran and Zara, her older daughter Hashmina, and her niece Reshma were all missing for the last one year. But this was a woman who? possibly might have been involved in a national terror attack. Finding her was necessary for the police. And so, the police arrested Parvez. In his interrogation, Parvez revealed that he knew where the family was. Quote, Parvez told us that leila's husband, Asif Khan, had taken his wife and her family to a forest area 120 kilometers from Mumbai and killed them there in February of last year, end quote. This is what the DIG said, according to the Deccan Herald. But then Parvez took this statement back. He claimed that the family was in Dubai. Then he took that statement back and claimed that the family had gone to some African country. But then he took that statement back and said he had no idea where they were. Finally, Parvez was transferred to Mumbai, where his interrogation for the disappearance of his wife Shalina and her children began. To the police in Mumbai, Pervez begins to tell a story of a gruesome mass murder. A murder he committed that, on the face of it, sounds like a lie. The cops couldn't trust him because of how many times his story had changed. But what was this gruesome murder that Pervez was talking about? And where was his wife and her children?
1: Ashwarya, just a quick clarification here. So you say Pervez's yeah. wife... And his wife's children, were they not his children?
0: Right. So these children were not Parvez's children. Actually, this is a storyline that's a little bit like Indrani Mukherjee's. Oh my God. Parvez was <laughs> Sherina's third husband, while all of her children were born to her and her first husband. So even though Parvez and Sherina were married, to these children, Parvez was the stepfather.
1: Ishwara, I thought... With two episodes of the Sheena Bora murder, I thought we were done with Indrani Mukherjee. But alas, her name shall be conjured (laughs) again.
0: As long as there will be three marriages, there will be Indrani (laughs) Mukherjee references. (laughs) (laughs) But Arun, to make any sense of this story that Parvez was telling the police, we have to go back to the time that Parvez's wife Shailena was born in the year 1961. Born to a small, middle-class Muslim family in Mumbai, Sharina grew up watching her father trying to make it as an actor in Bollywood. But like millions who try in this industry, he never succeeded. According to an article in India Today, his only memorable role was the small part of a dying soldier in Chetan Anand's Hakikat in 1964. Despite his not-so-successful work as an actor, though, he raised his children with love to the best of his abilities, albeit in a conservative household. But this middle-class life full of love in a conservative household was less than ideal to Shailina. She wanted more. Quote, she was very hi-fi, we are very simple, but she was the prettiest among us. End quote. This is how her sister, Albana, who herself lives in a middle class suburb in Mumbai, describes Shailina. To make her life herself, to move away from home, to put herself out there in the real world and gain the recognition she desired, Shalina ended up running away from home with a man named Nadir Shah Patel when she was not even 20 years old. She eventually ended up marrying Nadir and having four children with him. Their oldest child, Hashmina Patel, their younger daughter, Lela Khan, who was born Rishma Patel, and two twin children, Imran and Zara Patel. Nadir loved his family. He cared for and provided for his children. And marrying Shailina was his dream come true. She was a gorgeous, well-spoken woman and she was his life partner now. But things changed over the course of their marriage. After being married for about 10 years, the couple separated and Sherina eventually went on to marry a different man, her second husband, Asif Sheik. The two bought their own apartment in Oshiwara in Mumbai and lived there with all of Sherina’s children. Sherina herself was working as an event manager and earning her own living. But simultaneously, in true Kardashian style, she was working <laughs> on getting her daughters into the film industry. She first got her oldest daughter, Hashmina, into a movie in 2006. A movie titled, Hello, corn Hai? <laughs> and then she got Leila in a movie in 2008. This movie, the one that Leela was going to star in, was called Wafa, A Deadly Love Story.
1: Aishwara, if there was a Filmfare, Oscar section for worst titles for any movie out there, the three nominees mm-hmm. would be A, the hindi title for avengers which was angare bane shole b the <laughs> hindi translation for ratatouille which was bindas bawarchi which means so bad. which means swaggy chef uh and <laughs> c would be none other than wafa a deadly love story that is such <laughs> no, a I bad agree. title for a movie
0: is so bad and i don't understand do people making these movies not realize how these names are perceived by the audience like they have to know this is just it's hysterical
1: Shwara, wafa a deadly love story i can't get over that let's title this episode that wafa a deadly love story and see all the hate we get the audience
0: is gonna love this But Aryan, none of this is surprising considering just the one fact that this movie was directed by none other than Rakhi Sawant and her brother, Rakhi Sawant. Now, for those of you who don't know who Rakhi Sawant is, what she does, just go online and look her up and I promise all of this will make sense. Specifically, though, I recommend looking at her Instagram. It will definitely clear this up. Guys,
1: don't do it. Waste of time.
0: Please do it. Please do it. (laughs) But, However cringe or B grade this movie title may sound to you or to any of us, it was going to be a movie starring the Rajesh Khanna. Oh, wow. And that is no joke. He is popularly known as, quote, the first superstar of Hindi cinema after he continuously starred in a record 15 solo hero successful films mm. between 1969 and 1971, according to the National he was also the highest paid actor in Hindi cinema throughout the 1970s and 1980s. That's a two-decade span. And when he finally decided to marry Dimple Kapadia, there were renowned actresses who tried to kill themselves. If you all know who Twinkle Khanna is, Twinkle Khanna is his daughter. So it seemed like Leela Khan had gotten her big break in her first ever movie. But Surprise, surprise, the movie was a complete and total flop on the box office. But Leela had more movies lined up, she was modelling, she was showing up at private events and for the first time in a very long time, it seemed like there was money in the lives of Shelina and her children. In fact, people who know Shelina claimed that she now just spontaneously took trips to other countries just to shop there and come back. The family even ended up buying a huge, gorgeous farmhouse in Igatpuri, which is about 125 kilometers to the outskirts of Mumbai. But to everyone on the outside, as I'm sure it is to all of you, this level of wealth seemed disproportionate to the work that the family was doing. The one-flop movie and two future contracts for Leela and one-flop movie for Hashmina did not add up to the ability to fly to South Africa to shop and buy a huge farmhouse outside Mumbai. For example, the India Today reports that the family had assets over rupees 3 crores. The Igatpuri bungalow was worth rupees 70 lakh. The Oshiwara flat was worth 1.5 crore. Cherina owned a shop in Andheri's posh Lokhandwala complex worth Rs 40 lakh and a flat at Mira Road worth 50 lakh. But just for context, Leila's pay for her one movie was just 3.5 lakh. The article says, quote, Curiously, all of these properties were gifted to Chailina and her daughters by benefactors. The Oshewara flat was gifted to Hashmina aka Afrin." when she was 31, by an elderly US-based person when she turned 18." Now, this is all super suspect to me. This is but one of the reasons that the Maharashtra Anti-Terror Squad believes the family had some questionable ties to terror organisations outside India, such as Leela's alleged connections to Lashkar-e-Taiba and her role in providing terrorists information on the city of Mumbai. Even the man who was allegedly her husband had ties to the banned Bangladeshi organization named Harkat ul Jihad al-Islami.
1: Aishwarya, I take issue to this theory not not because I'm doubting its veracity. Frankly, I don't have evidence for one way or the other. The only issue I take is it's a theory I've grown up listening to explain literally every single thing that happens in Bollywood. And, you know, to use terrorism as an excuse or a justification for anything that goes awry it 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 just seems suspect to me it just seems too easy and too conspiratorial so whether in this case that was the case or not um, I I don't know but I'm just offering an asterisk to our listeners uh, to take it with a few grains of salt perhaps
0: No, you're right Aryan, this is a very, very common theory attributed to anything that's mildly off about Bollywood. But I personally believe that where there is smoke, there is a fire. And so even though this might not be the theory that applies to every single actor's every single misstep, I feel like there is some legitimacy to Bollywood's ties to criminal activities in general. Whether or not that is the case in this situation, in Leila Khan's situation, again, there is no conclusive evidence on that. We're going to let you guys do your own research and maybe decide for yourselves. But these weren't the only things that were off about Leila's life. Even Rakesh Savant, Leila's director, thought that she was in with some shady people. For example, at one instance, Leila had invited Savant to her bungalow in Mumbai, where inside her house were a number of Arab men. These men wanted to invest 20 crores in Savant's movie, but he refused because of how off it all sounded. Now, whether these Arab men were just rich, regular investors or shady people with terrorism links, like we said, we don't know. This is all a matter of speculation. There has never been any official proof, any official report of their involvement in any terror organization or activity. The most significant of the proofs is the fact that Shalina's car was known to be tied to the 2011 terror attacks, which to me is a big piece of information. Regardless of where this money came from, however, the entire family was utilizing it to the fullest. In fact, Shelina's husband, Asif Sheikh too, was enjoying this newfound wealth and prosperity in the family. But little did he know that his wife was falling in love with a different man. This man was Parvez Iqbal Thak. He was a man of big and significant political connections and a wealthy lifestyle just like that of Shailina's. But he was also a shady man in the sort of ways that Shailina was. And what I mean by that is, he seemed to have money he didn't seem to work for. (laughs) For example, according to India Today, Quote, he borrowed rupees 10 lakh from locals and contested the 2008 assembly polls for the Inderwal constituency in Doda on a ticket from the Nationalist Congress party. Then he left Kishwar later that year when the lenders began knocking on his doors. End quote. So basically he just took this money and ran. Then in 2010, he showed up at the doorstep of retired Indian naval officer, 86-year-old Gurdyal Singh, who was then living in Hoshiarpur. Gurdyal Singh says, quote, He came to us with his wife and two young daughters, claiming to be a Kashmiri refugee. He had told me that his family had been wiped out in an attack on his village, end quote. He ended up staying with the couple for two weeks, borrowing 2.2 lakhs from him, and then vanishing, never to be seen in Hoshiarpur again.
1: Regardless of how many years I've spent in India, Ashwara, I'm at this point mm-hmm. pretty sensitized to fraudsters. But there are a <laughs> couple yeah. of kind of fraudsters that um, particularly annoy me. One are those that tra- target old people. And the other mm-hmm. that have the audacity to defraud soldiers or people who have worked for the army this is this man defrauding an elderly retired naval officer and uh, that's uh, repugnant
0: no he deserves a special place in hell just for that alone it sounds so sad to me that this army officer also gave him 2.2 lakhs for his daughters and this fake story he had created about his entire family being wiped out in a village attack it was all a lie However, regardless of how shady Parvez's past life may seem to us, slowly and slowly Parvez got closer to Shailina and the two fell in love with each other. Shailina divorced her husband of 20 years and got married for a third time to a man more than a decade younger than her in December of 2010. He was a handsome man and many claimed that initially, it was his head-turning good looks that drew Shailina close to him. But by no account was this new marriage a happy one. How could it be when just two years after this marriage, Parvez would be sitting in the office of the Mumbai police, admitting to brutally murdering his wife and all of her children? Now with Sherina's childhood and upbringing bringing out of the way, we are back to present day, where Parvez sat in the Mumbai police station in 2012, clinging on to his innocence. But the police knew something was wrong. Leela's biological father, Shalina's first husband, Nadir Shah, had gone to the police multiple times in the past one year, claiming his ex-wife and children were missing, that something was wrong and that they were not responding. In fact, Nadir Shah had even filed a missing persons report in March of 2011 for the entire family, but the police didn't do much. Quote, the police are lax and were not interested in locating my children, end quote, he says. He wasn't the only one looking for the family. Rakesh Savant was too. Rahi Savant's brother Rakesh was the director of Leila's upcoming movie, but she was nowhere to be found. Leila did shoot some scenes of his film Jinnath, which means she didn't just decide to back out of the movie. But after those scenes, she just disappeared. And Rakesh Sawant really liked Leila. He had seen her at an audition in 2004 and then decided to cast her for his own film. He says, quote, She did not say no to intimate scenes with Rajesh Khanna. She was nice, calm and involved. But Shailina was loud and domineering and regularly interfered in Leila's life and work, end quote. But even Sawant's missing persons report was initially ignored by the police. But it wasn't even just these two men who tried to find the family. Shailina's elder sister, Meher Akhtar, had decided to drive down to the family's Igatpuri farmhouse herself in September of 2011, six months after they had all vanished, just to see if she finds any clues or traces of them at all. But the bungalow looked like a scene from a horror movie. Firstly, the bungalow was burnt, the house was destroyed. There were two watchmen taking care of the house, and both of them gave two very different, conflicting accounts of the fire, with one saying that he saw it happen 15 days ago, and the other saying he saw it happen 2 months ago. Not just that though, while walking out of the house through the village that surrounded the bungalow, Meher Akhtar noticed the furniture from the bungalow in the houses of the tribal homes in the village. The tribal said that it was Shailina's second husband, Asif Ahmad, who had given them the furniture. Meher says, we still don't know who started the fire and why. Shailina's mother, 85-year-old Kani's Fatma, came forward to say, I would be satisfied with a glimpse of my children. If you spot Parvez anywhere, shoot him. With all of this in mind, the police now knew that they needed to double down on Parvez. When they ramped up their interrogation, Parvez finally admitted it. He said he killed them all. Leila all her siblings, her mother, everyone, and buried them all in the backyard of their Igatpuri farmhouse. He had committed this crime more than a year ago, he says, in February of 2011. It was the 30th of January 2011 when the entire family sat in their two cars and drove to Igatpuri. This included 50-year-old Shailina, 29-year-old Laila, 31-year-old Hashmina, 21-year-old twins Zara and Imran, 20-year-old Reshma and 35-year-old Parvez. At the Igatpuri farmhouse, he says, he got into a heated argument with his wife Shailina. These fights between the two were frequent. Parvez's 50-year-old wife in her third marriage with so many children had a habit of beginning extramarital affairs and extramarital affairs with men much younger than herself.
1: What a habit to have, right? To, to even call it a right? habit sounds so uh, <laughs> facetious, but yeah. that's, that's I, I wouldn't want to be that man
0: no and this I wouldn't want to be this woman she right, had exactly. a messy messy head exactly. and messy relationships the argument between the two that day as well was about Sherina's infidelity specifically her closeness to her second husband Asif Sheikh but it wasn't just that Ever since Parvez had married Shailina, he was treated like a second-class citizen. He was made fun of and ridiculed in public and in front of common friends. He was treated like he was young and inexperienced. In fact, the couple's neighbours from their Oshiwara apartment say that Shailina used to use Parvez almost like her errand boy, making him buy groceries and drive the family around. Some reports even claim that she treated her second husband, Asif Sheikh, the same way and only ever treated her first husband with any respect. In fact, she introduced Parvez to her first husband, Nadir, as her distant cousin, a matter deeply humiliating to Parvez. Eventually, Selina also realised that Parvez wasn't nearly as wealthy or powerful as he initially seemed to be. She figured out that a lot of his money was stolen and that, in reality, he more closely resembled a wannabe politician seduced by a life of money than a successful man. She used to ridicule him for his lack of money and compare his wealth to hers, making him feel inferior. All of these complicated emotions had been boiling inside Parvez. He was slowly reaching his tipping point and finally tipped over during their January 30th trip to the farmhouse. The family arrived in different groups at the Ikatpuri farmhouse. Parvez drove himself and Shailina, while Leila drove all of her siblings to the farmhouse in her Mitsubishi Outlander, the same outlander that was found in Kashmir by the JNK police. The family had planned on staying at the farmhouse for a while because they took a lot of their stuff and their two cats and one dog with them as well. They wanted to sell off the Igatpuri farmhouse and buy a new, bigger property in Dubai. Because some sources claim that Leila wanted to marry her boyfriend and move to Dubai with the entire family in tow. But other sources claim that she was already married. But the point of all of this is that the entire family wanted to move to Dubai. And so, they wanted to sell their Igatpuri farmhouse. And for that, they wanted to be at the farmhouse to work on the deal. But this deal was something Parvez was strongly against. He didn't have a passport and he felt like the family moving to Dubai was a way to ice him out of the family to get rid of him forever.
1: You know, if Parvez had asked me, I would have let him know that it's not the hardest thing in the world to get a passport. (laughs) He could have gotten a passport.
0: No, not at all. (laughs) No, it's not even a little bit hard. But I think the point was that Parvez was a man with a lot of emotions at this point in time. He wasn't thinking clearly. Every move seemed malicious to him. Whether or not it was actually malicious, we don't know. But that's how his kind of crazy warped mind right Mm. now interpreted it. A few days after the family reached Tigatpuri, on the 9th of February 2011, Sherina spoke to her sister Albana. But what she tells Albana is a little weird. She tells her that she is in Chandigarh with Parvez. Firstly, she doesn't mention the rest of the family she was with, which is super weird. But what is even weirder is the bit about being in Chandigarh. Chandigarh and Nigatpuri are a 25-hour long drive away. They aren't places that Jesus. you casually move between during a holiday.
1: Sure. So that can mean one of two things, right? A, it could mean that the couple went to Chandigarh, maybe like they flew to Chandigarh for a work trip and back. That's some. Maybe the buyers were in Chandigarh. But the other is mm-hmm. that Shalina lied. Except, I don't see the incentive of Shalina lying. Like, why would Shalina lie to her own sister when it's her own life that is eventually going to end? Like that, the incentive doesn't add up.
0: Yeah, so I kind of thought about your first possibility a lot, Aryan. Like, what if this call was made while they were actually in Chandigarh for some work? What if they all did travel to the Ghatpuri farmhouse, but then Parvez and Shalina, for some reason flew to Chandigarh for some work? But this call between Shalina and her sister is the last call, last piece of communication any member at the farmhouse made to anyone else in the world outside. So is it possible that Parvez was in Chandigarh with Shailina while not one of the five kids back at the farmhouse used their phones to talk to anybody? The only explanation that makes sense is that this story about being in Chandigarh was a lie and that shortly after this call, they were all killed at the farmhouse. And the incentive to lie you're right is kind of complicated. The incentive perhaps could be just the fact that Chelina was making this call and making these claims under coercion and mm. under threat by Pervez. Mm. But to be honest, I don't know. I don't know the reality of this call. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if it was a lie or the truth. No idea. So we have that last known communication on the 9th then, that night, on the 9th, the family decided to hold a barbecue. The weather was perfect, they had the whole family together, they were going to sell old property and buy a new one. There was no reason not to celebrate. Parvez tells the cops that they all played music and danced and partied together. It was a happy moment. Then at about 1am, Parvez and Sherina retired to their rooms, where Sherina began praising her second husband, Sheikh and then told Parvez that she had transferred the power of attorney for the disposal of her assets to Sheikh, giving her second husband access and control over all of her major properties, while Parvez stood there, looking like a fool.
1: Ishwara, in our friend circle and in media and pop culture alike, one of the most common tiffs uh, between couples is one of the partners still in communication with their exes, And it's usually, Mm -hmm. you know, an animosity (laughs) born out of insecurity and I get that. But I think, you know, you draw the line of talking to your exes when it comes to transferring properties. I think you can talk (laughs) to them all right. But once you start transferring properties to your ex rather than your current partner, crores (laughs) of property, we're, we're not talking... You know Sweatshirt they left behind We're, we're talking no. A lot of land And a lot of money I think I think The partner then has the right To be insecure And offended
0: I agree No I agree Pervez isn't completely in the wrong In the things that he feels Revolted And angry over Shailina's soft spot and her continued contact with Sheik had always been a fighting point between the couple, but this was just too much. He felt used and treated and discarded. When this fight started, the couple walked out of their room and came down to the ground floor of the house, which is where the fight took a disastrous turn. It was here that he hit her on the back of her head with a metal rod and then stabbed her multiple times with a knife. While all of this was happening though, the other family members all gathered around on the ground floor, suddenly becoming witnesses to the murder of their mother. Suddenly, with so many people around, Parvez knew his ability to defend himself was lesser than before. And so he started to think, who could he call for help? Then it suddenly struck him he had just appointed a new watchman a few months ago, a watchman who was Kashmiri just like Parvez. When Parvez called this watchman for help, Shakir Hussain, he did not hesitate in being part of the murder, even for a second. Together, the two men overpowered the five women and one young man, hitting them all on the head with iron rods first and then stabbing them with knives repeatedly till they were dead. Shailina was killed first, with 21-year-old Imran killed second and 29-year-old Leila Khan killed last. The deep fractures found on all of their skulls tell the tale of how much hatred and force was used to kill them all. Now, the cops are hearing Parvez's story and they're still hesitant to believe him. So, they put him in the back of their car and begin a journey to the farmhouse, preparing themselves for the possibility that inside might be six bodies. When the police finally reached the family's sprawling bungalow that now stood burnt and charred to the ground, holding only memories of a once-happy family, Parvez directed the police to a pit in the backyard. The helpers that the police had brought with them began digging the ground. And slowly but surely, one by one by one, body after body began to emerge from the ground. Himanshu Roy, Joint Commissioner of Police of Mumbai, said quote, Three bodies were placed at the bottom of a 12 feet by 8 feet pit, which was about 6 feet deep. The pit covered first with mattresses and pillows and then with stone. Then three more bodies were placed and similarly covered. And finally, the pit was covered with mud. The stones were used to keep wild animals away. End quote. An NDTV article states that there was very little clothing left on the skeletal remains, but it was evident that they were all murdered and buried with jewellery still on their bodies. All of the bodies in the pit, except for Shailina's, one male and four females, were then matched against DNA samples from Leila's biological father, Nadir Patel, confirming all of their identities as the Patel family. As of June 2021, the case was still pending with 41 witnesses deposed and the partial testimony of the main investigating officer recorded. Asif Sheikh, Shalina's second husband, was the fifth witness to be examined and he revealed more jaw-dropping details about the family. He told the courts that Pervez wanted to push all the girls in the family into prostitution to be able to earn money. In fact, he wanted to help the girls enter the prostitution market in Dubai. A rich clientele where huge sums of money can be made through the work. Quote, Hashmina, Zara, and Reshma would tell me that Parvez always asked them to go to Dubai to earn money, but the girls were not ready. Parvez used to harass them and threaten them, end quote. Clearly, by every standard, Parvez is, or at least was, a sick and a horrible man, but he was also a man who had been pushed, broken, and ridiculed by the woman he had chosen to marry. An explanation for his behaviour is not a justification for his behaviour. But the way Sherina treated him, her controlling attitude, her lack of regard, her need to drive him to the edge was all unnecessary. He could have been treated with dignity. And maybe, just maybe, that dignity could have prevented this crime. But what can or should be done is of no use in this case anymore. Two entire generations of a family, six people, are all gone. Their ability to ever live a fulfilling life is all gone. The India Today article speaks of how Leela's favourite Bollywood heroine was Divya Bharti. Leila's dreams of becoming as famous and as respected as Divya Bharti are all gone. All Leela got was an end like Divya Bharti's. Abrupt, unfortunate and undeserved.